0: Good morning, Overflow. Amen. It's a pleasure to be here before you this morning. How are y'all doing? Thank you. I don't know if y'all remember when I was up here last time and I said I like people to talk back to me. Y'all doing good this morning. Thank you. Well, um, for those of you that don't know me again, my name is Marie. I'm married to Andrew Robinson. You may have seen him up here a time or two or more delivering the message. We have two lovely daughters, Ariana, who is 12 and in the midst of her teendom, and Ayana, who is eight, who's in the midst of her tweendom. So the parents know what we're going through right now, right? (laughs) It starts at eight, no matter what they say. (laughs) You may have also seen me up here singing with Joelle and the rest of the worship team. Uh, I love to sing. I've been singing since five years old. Y'all probably heard me hollering down here singing, too. (laughs) But I just love to praise God. Amen. Amen. So with that being said, let's get into it, okay? So I've been charged with delivering part one of today's message, Um, But before I begin, I already said it. I'm a new face up here in this capacity. And I want you all to think of this as a conversation, a chat, if you will, okay? (laughs) Uh, Feel free to talk back to me if that's your thing. Clap if you agree with something that was said. Whatever you feel like doing, okay? I just want us to be able to interact. So let's get into God's word. We're going to be looking at Psalm 121 today. And um, we're going to be using the translation, um, the message translation, okay? I just like the way that that one uh, comes across. But this is a familiar passage. Some of you may have heard it growing up, uh, people reciting this in church, and they've made a lot of songs based on this psalm. So I'll go ahead and I'll get started. Is it up there yet? Y'all see it? Okay, well, I'll get started. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from mountains? No, my strength comes from God. God who made heaven and earth and mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep. Not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. May God add a blessing to the reading of his words. So, we've been talking in this series about prayer, trying to do a reset or reinvigorating of our prayer life. And we've been talking about the importance of having a strong prayer life. And this morning, I want to talk about being confident in God. If we're confident in God, then we can embody what our series is about, which is what? Pray first got it on. I wonder if the rest of y'all got it on. <laughs> now, Psalms 121, God is presented as one who will protect us. He'll defend us. He shields us and he keeps us. We're encouraged to see God this way in our everyday lives. These are what we call promises that we can hold on to. These are the things that we can be confident in that God has our backs. But can we talk for real this morning, Overflow? How many of you know that it can be hard to have confidence in God? I know I struggle. And I believe even some of the most seasoned believers have had times in their lives where they found it difficult to see God like this protector, this defender, a shield, a keeper. There's so many things that happen in this world and in our daily lives that can make us not have confidence in God. Am I right? But as Christians, we are called to trust in God. There's that familiar scripture. Well, there's a lot of different scriptures about trusting in God. But this is the one I'm going to go to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. We've heard that many times before. There's also been plenty of songs and hymns that we have sung in the church before about trusting in God. Uh, One that I can think of when I was little said, I will trust in the Lord till I die. Or, you know, that other hymn um, about leaning on his everlasting arm. (laughs) You know, it's easy for us to sing those songs and recite those scriptures. That's the easy part. The difficult part is in actually doing what we sing and quote. We don't always trust his plan. We don't even think there's a plan at times. If we're being honest. We try to handle things on our own without God. A lot of times, handling things on our own or following our own plan gets us into trouble because ultimately it takes us off his path. God, in his infinite wisdom, allows us free will to make the choices that make make us veer off the path. But the great thing about God is that our veering off his path does not make him go away. It's our own shame and conviction, which fools us into thinking that he's not there anymore. But the truth is, he's always there, waiting for us to get back on the right path, but his path. So how can we build our confidence in God? And how can we apply that to our prayer life? Let's talk about that word confidence. To be confident in something or someone is to rely fully on that person, to be certain of or assured of one's qualities and characteristics. And it's also to have a firm, firm trust in them. That's confidence. How much confidence we have in God directly speaks to our relationship with him. It speaks to our faith, people. Faith says that no matter what the situation is in our lives or someone else's, God is still working. We know that God is impressed with those who show their faith in him. It's a constant theme throughout the Bible where God is looking for his people, his children to have faith, to trust him. Let's look at Hebrews eleven sixteen. Well, I'll read it for you. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Overflow, God still desires for us all to have that even today. Now, by no means is this an easy thing to do, but we should continuously strive for it. So here's some things we can do. First, we have to believe in the promises of God. God gave us his word for that very purpose. And you know, God puts people in our lives too. And those people are there to help steer us along the way. Well, um, um, we have to learn um, is how to believe his word over our own emotions and insecurities. We can't be one of those, I trust God, but people. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'll trust you, God, for this one thing, uh, but I'm going to handle this other thing. Or I trust God, but he be taking too long. We cannot be one of those people. If we're going to trust God, we have to trust him with everything. And when we take it to him, we have to leave it there. Second, we have to identify confidence stealers. Those things we rely on instead of God. Who and where do you turn to instead of God? Is it in friends? your spouse, family members, your doctors, your pastor, Dr. Phil, <laughs> Oprah, or yourself. I think about uh, when we're relying on ourselves. You know how when you get um, the, the the a symptom that you've never had before? Don't some of us start Googling it? We start looking it up on the internet trying to figure out what's wrong with us. By the time we get to the doctor, we've diagnosed ourselves and we're trying to tell the doctor how to treat us. That's how we do God. God wants to be your first response, not your second, not your third, and definitely not your last. James chapter one, verses five to through seven says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is what the word says y'all. And third. Pray. That's a no brainer. It's our weapon, especially when combined with the word. Many of us do not look at God as being one we can have dialogue with. You know, we see him as this distant being and we can't fathom what it means to just talk to him. That's all he wants. Some of us are scared and uncomfortable with prayer But we all have the ability to do it, and we've all been called to do it. If you need an example, you have to look no further than David. I love David because when David went to God, he laid everything out on the table. This is what God wants. He wants for us to to come to Him with everything we feel in the raw. We're human. And God knows this. He created us after all, and he knows you and I better than anyone. He wants us to be honest about our shortcomings and our insecurities. And if we're angry about something or even angry with him, he wants you to tell him that. You know, uh, sidebar, I always thought when I was reading the Bible at a very young age, Moses' relationship with God. Moses talked to God like uh, sometimes I just thought Moses you might not want to go there but you know what God didn't look at that as disrespect or anything did he he listened to what Moses had to say and then he spoke back now Moses might not have liked everything he had to say but this is what God wants for you and I So our conversation with God should be one of reverence and authentic. He already knows what's in our hearts. You know that hymn, What a Fellowship? It talks about sharing just that with God and how we go through needless pains because we don't share them with God. That's an old school song. So for those of you that don't know, I would sing it, but I'm pressed for time. So I'm going to go. All right. Um, Also, God wants to talk back to you. Let him. When you're praying, don't end the prayer without listening for God's response. So the last thing that I want to do is just share a story with you um, of a couple of friends. I know they epitomize to me what it means to have confidence in God. Um, I'll probably just share one, but uh, it's my friend AJ, and me and AJ sang in the praise and worship team together before uh, my family and I moved here. AJ was one of those, he was an encouraging, encouraging person, and he always shared a word with the praise, and praise team before we went up and when we would gather together. What I didn't know is that AJ was a cancer survivor, And maybe about five or six months into my time being at this church, um, we learned that AJ's cancer resurfaced. So he was going to have to take time away from singing with us. And we prayed with him and everything. Um, And so he fought and he fought well and he beat it. And he returned to the praise and worship team. When he came back, you know, he witnessed to us. It was a tough time for him, but the story that he shared with us was that the nurses and the doctors were so impressed with him because every time he would come to the hospital for his treatment, he was always in good spirits, and they just could not understand how this person with cancer, because most people come in, and you know, it's not the best time, you know, and they come in sad, and and all types of things, but he always had a positive demeanor. And so they would ask him, how can you come in like this day after day with such a positive spirit? And he told them, I just believe God's word. I believe what God said. He said that, um, Anytime he experienced an especially brutal or hard day in treatment, he just held on to God's words. He held on to his promises, and he recited them, and it helped keep him grounded. He said that he relied on God's strength and not his own. Those promises were real for my friend. His story left an impression on me because I believe this is what God desires from us. That's having real confidence in him. That confidence says that even though we get a bad report from the doctor, we hold on to what is stated in his word, no matter what the outcome, we stand on those alone. My other friend, I said I was only going to do one, but my other friend is Al, and his story is similar. He is also a cancer survivor, but currently his um, cancer also resurfaced in a different place um, and he's still um, on that journey. The difference between Al and AJ is that Al, um, he stays in touch and he's very transparent about this process and this journey he's been on. The good, the bad, the ugly. So on Facebook, which is how I am able to stay connected with him, he lets us know about any and everything that goes on. There are times when he is especially angry and upset with God, and he shares that with us. But at the same time, he always comes back around to the promises of God. And even though I've been going through this, I know you're there. I've made it before with your strength. I know I can do it again. Even though the doctors is giving him a really uh, not a very good report this time, that's not what he's holding on to. So he walks and he talks with God. So these are the things that I want to leave you with, overflow. And I want to challenge you. I want you to think about these next few days. Who are you putting your confidence in? If it's not God, then I challenge you to pray about that. As we go into this next um, session or moment, um, I want you guys to close your eyes. There's gonna be a prayer prompt um, that will come up behind me and think about what's up there as you pray in this moment.
1: in this moment of prayer that your Holy Spirit would whisper to us your word that will bring newness of life to us even despite ourselves Lord you forgive us you answer our prayers and now God I pray that you will answer our prayers at this moment it is in Jesus name I ask and I. Good morning, Overflow. Good morning. Did my wife do a phenomenal job? Give her another round of applause. She is still as fine as wines. The first day I met her, I stole her heart at a Toastmasters meeting. Uh, I was giving an impromptu speech, and they said, Well, if you could be a vehicle, what vehicle would you be? And I said, A Lincoln Navigator. <laughs> that was back in the late 90s. Now we got so many other cars now that you can say, that. it was a Lincoln Navigator. So thank you so much, baby, for a wonderful, wonderful job that you did. You did a phenomenal job. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to get into the word. Let's look at Psalm 133, 133rd number, division not chapter (laughs) of of psalm 133rd division of psalm verse number one and it reads how wonderful how pleasing it is when god's people all come together as one what a powerful powerful word that is how pleasing it is for us to come together as one. And in essence, what the psalmist is saying is that uh oh, I think I'm having some problem with my microphone. All right, all right. What the psalmist is actually saying is this is that that the reality is, is God is looking for men, women, and men of God to be united, to, to have this united. Front, to come together as one, to stand together. In, in essence, if we can come together uh, as one, as men and women of God, right, there is no feat that we can't accomplish. There is nothing that we can't champion. There is no mountain that we can't climb if we come together. And we see a lot of examples in Scripture that talks about this. One example is in the book of Joshua, chapter 6, in which God give the instructions to the Israelites that I want you to walk around and march around the city of Jericho for seven days. And on that that seventh day, you're going to walk around Seven times and they did it in unison and the priest was going before the people and then the soldiers following they did it as one group and on the seventh day after the seventh time they went around the walls of Jericho fell down because they did it together. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, we see as as Solomon was dedicating the temple uh, to God that that the priests got together and they were singing with a loud voice and blowing a trumpet and everybody was singing in unison and the glory of the Lord filled the temple with clouds and we saw fire come from heaven. There is nothing that God won't do when we come together. But here's the problem, Overflow. We are so divided as a church that we can have churches next door to each other and we'll never speak to each other and we've been around each other for a decade. Because our theology divides us. Our selfishness and our pride divides us. Jesus said something so powerful in his prayer that he gave In John chapter 17 verse 21 he said father I pray this prayer for them that they be one as you and I are one Uh, my prayer father is for them to be just like you are now now for a little bit uh, for a few minutes, I just want to talk to you about the oneness of God. Is it, is it okay for me to talk to you about the oneness of God? I know some of you are like, look, I did not come to church for a theology message. I came to church just to hear the word of God. Please don't talk about theology. Uh, But praise God, we're going to do it anyway. Thank you so much. I know Pastor Chad is in the back scene. glory. Hallelujah. All right. So, So you have heard it said before that there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? And these three are one. And I know some of you were sitting there listening to it like, wait a minute. That's Not good math, right? Because it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isn't it three, right? And that's what we call the mystery of the Trinity, right? Because you have three persons, but it's only one God. I know some of you didn't have your 10th cup of coffee, and so this is too deep for you this morning. I get it. But, But trust me, you have three persons, but one god because they operate in unison there is nothing that the father doesn't do that the son is not involved with no one is trying to jockey for position over the other i remember i was teaching a theology class in undergrad and one of my students said to me but professor, it doesn't make sense. What if Jesus was to rise up against the Father? And I said, you're speaking of this in human terms because that would never happen because they operate so harmoniously, so much in unison, so much in togetherness that, 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 that no one is trying to outdo each other. That's the oneness of God. That's what God expects out of us. That's when Jesus said, my prayer is for them to be like us that's what he's referring to one of my intellectual heroes uh is is augustine of hippo and my wife knows this uh, augustine is like the the michael jordan lebron james you know you know to me uh and i know that's riveting and exciting for some of you guys <laughs> and uh uh, and it, was, it, it is so interesting because when I was in grad school, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, they used to call Shaq the big Aristotle. Well, when I would go play basketball, they would call me the big Augustine. That's how much of an Augustine fan I was. So, so <laughs> and, and, and so Augustine said, as he was trying to discuss the oneness of God, right? And he was trying, he was combating this heretical group known as the Arians, and they were saying that there was a time that, that, that the Father existed, that Jesus did not exist, because they were trying to say that Jesus could not be God because of the fact he wasn't uh, there with God at all times. And Augustine used this analogy, and even though it's in human terms, it's imperfect, I think this is a good analogy, love this analogy, and this is analogy of, is, is of fire, and so augustine said as soon as fire came into existence what comes forth from fire it's light so as soon as you have fire right there's light so wherever you put fire there is light now i got excited over this i was so happy like yeah boy look at this look at you go man you go right because in the word of god we always see Jesus equated to light. He is the light of the world, right? We hear it all the time. So I'm getting all pumped up and excited like, man, you know, you know, this really shows the oneness of God because as soon as fire comes into existence, right, light comes into existence at the same time, there isn't a time where there isn't fire and light that coexists, Right? And so I'm excited, and and I'm like, man, and that makes a lot of sense because what proceeds forth from the fire is heat. And and what does heat do? It comforts us. And who did Jesus call the great comforter? I'm getting all excited. It's the (laughs) Holy Spirit. And, and, and my wife is going to get me later for telling this story, but, but I was in grad school at the time, and, and it was somewhere around two, three, four-ish. I don't know. I mean, I lost track of time. Some people get excited going to the club at that time. I got excited studying Augustine at that time. That's how it was. Right? <laughs> and so I called her, and she was, uh, she was in another city somewhere. I said, baby, baby, guess what? Guess what? She thought something had happened to me or something like that. I said, uh, guess what Augustine said? you know that as soon as you have fire you have light and that helps to explain the relationship the correlation between the father and the son and guess what I came up with that the heat emerges you know from the fire and the light isn't that exciting and guess what she said y'all <laughs> close <laughs> she said you are a nerd and hung the phone up on I has love for you right? I'm still traumatized by it. I got to go to counseling. All <laughs> right? But, but but really what what that shows us is that they work in unison together. There's no one trying to jockey outdo outdo the other, right? It's so harmonious. They're so one that that Jesus can say that that I have come to give glory to my Father, that I have come to do the will of my Father. And the Father can even say, as Paul epitomizes in Philippians chapter 2, that the Father gave him a name that was above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord but our problem is is that we're so selfish it's all about me myself and i it's all about us having a title it's all about us Having position. It's all about my name being called and my name being mentioned in the paper, right? And at the end of the day, we are only focused on ourselves and that divides us as a community. And that's the reason why the church is powerless. That's the reason why the church is so ineffective. That's the reason why the church has become irrelevant. That's the reason why we see so much shooting out there. That's the reason why we see so much crime. Is because the church has become ineffective because we are so divided. And let me say this, and let me say this plainly. It is a sin before God for the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning to be the most segregated hour in human history. Oh, I know I'm going to get in trouble with social media, so let me say it again. <laughs> I don't care. The 11 o'clock is to sin before God for the 11 o'clock hour to be the most segregated hour in human history, because churches have become so divided and we are comfortable with it. But if we want to be champions for God, if we want to advance the kingdom of God in the way that we saw the early church, when we look at the Church of Acts. Right, They had all things in common. They were united in prayer. They were one in mind and heart. And because of it, they were able to change the world to the point that in Acts chapter 17, verse 6, one of the Romans officials said, these are the people who have turned our world upside down. And so my prayer, as the praise team comes up, my prayer today, is the same prayer as Jesus. It is that we will be one as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. That we will be one because when we are one we will be able to advance the kingdom of God in our communities like never before. And we will see people, Pastor Elijah, baptized. We will see our communities change when we all get on one accord and be one. Let's pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful for this word. We're grateful for what you have taught us, that if we are one, there is no feat that we can accomplish. Lord, I pray that we will put our egos aside. I pray that we will put our selfishness aside. I pray that we will put all of our agendas aside and that we will come together as one, knowing that we, that you are the chief and we follow you. We are the body of Christ and we know that Christ is the head of this body and we follow you to the end in Jesus' mighty and holy name. Amen.